Hello and a very warm welcome to you. My name is Alex. If you were around with us at Christmas, you may have heard us talk about our Advent devotional series, where a number of people in Grace Church walked us through the Christmas story and the early accounts of Jesus' life. Well, between now and Saturday, we're going to walk you through the accounts of Jesus' final days, the events of Passion Week and the Gospel according to Matthew. A short episode of up to 10 minutes will be released each day, exploring the location that Jesus visited and the events that unfold there in the lead up to his glorious resurrection that we invite you to celebrate with us this coming Easter Sunday. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to read verses 6 to 13 from the NIV translation. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. We find Jesus here in Bethany, which is a small village two miles east of Jerusalem. We know that Jesus frequently spent time here as part of his ministry years and used it as his lodging place. It is also the place where his good friends, Lazarus, Mary and Martha live, and where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Unsurprisingly then, it's also the place that is the scene of a dinner party hosted in Jesus's honor at Simon the leper's house. It's worth noting that Simon has almost certainly been cured of his leprosy at this point, otherwise he wouldn't be able to be in the village, never mind host dinner. But hey, names stick. And it's at this dinner party, Matthew tells us, that a woman we know from the other gospels to be Mary, sister to Lazarus and Martha, takes a moment to approach Jesus as he reclines at the table and pours half a litre of very expensive perfumed oil over his head and in some of the other accounts over his feet as well. This could sound strange to us but it was common to anoint your guests with oil as a sign of courtesy and hospitality which is why Jesus calls out his host in Luke chapter 7 saying you did not put oil on my head. So it's not the act itself that's the most shocking aspect of the story so much as the quantity of oil and the expense. The flask was made from alabaster, a precious stone, and was likely sealed with wax, perhaps never opened. To get at the perfume then, the seal would either have to be broken, or in some instances, the whole neck of the bottle broken, a bit like those old-fashioned piggy banks you have to smash to get at the money. It's unclear where Mary has got such a valuable item from, worth between 20 and 30,000 pounds by today's standards. It might well have been passed down through the family as an heirloom, a source of inheritance, literally Mary's pension in a pot. Some scholars suggest items like this were kept as dowries to be given to the groom's family when a woman got married, or it may simply have been a prized possession. Regardless, you can see why the disciples react the way they do to this perceived waste. But this isn't waste, it's worship, and it's an act of devotion that brings to life the words of King David, I will not offer to God that which cost me nothing. It may well have cost Mary everything. It could be easy to hear this story and, and feel the weight of having to go away and do something grand for God. But I'm not here to place that burden on you, and neither is Jesus. Instead, I'd simply like to encourage you with 
three wonderful and wondrous things that happen when we worship. And, well, the Lord can speak to you about what that might look like more specifically for you later on. Firstly, when we worship, we minister to the heart of God. Mary makes her offering and Jesus receives it. The disciples complain, but Jesus is quite firm with them. Why are you troubling this woman? She has done a beautiful thing. Between the plots forming against his life and his imminent betrayal by Judas Iscariot, I reckon Mary's actions were just the encouragement Jesus needed. Maybe, as the oil flowed down his body, he was reminded of and comforted by the psalm. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. In a profoundly mysterious way that I'll never quite understand, like Mary, we have the opportunity to bless God, to bring him joy and delight, to touch his heart with our actions, especially when they are performed not for the approval of man, but for him alone. I don't have children, but I rather imagine it's like when you receive flowers from a child, or if you're lucky or unlucky, they make you breakfast in bed. The reality is, those flowers were probably picked from your garden. The breakfast has been made with food stuff that you paid for. Even so, it doesn't diminish the heart behind it, and as we worship, we minister to God's heart too. However feeble our attempts sometimes seem, he gladly receives them. Secondly, when we worship, we get to participate in God's wider story. It was tradition for Jews to wash the body and cover it in oil and spices and herbs before laying it in the tomb. But Jesus dies hours before the Sabbath, which was a day where the Jewish people weren't permitted by law to carry out a lot of their normal activities, including burying people. Mark and Luke tell us that the woman the women have to wait until after the Sabbath before heading to the tomb with oil and spices to anoint him. But Jesus says he hasn't gone without. Mary has already prepared him for his burial, albeit unusually while he's still alive. Did Mary know that that's what she was doing? It's possible. After all, she is the woman the disciples named for sitting so attentively at Jesus' feet. And frankly, it wouldn't be the first time the Bible suggests a woman understood what Jesus was saying sooner than the men did. After all, Jesus did foretell his own death quite a lot. Either way, whether through full knowledge or just strong intuition, this prophetic act ushers in the beginning of a series of events that will lead to Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. The countdown has begun. We may not always understand the significance of the timing of our acts of worship or the eternal impact of our actions. We may never know what is stirred in the heavenlies on account of our obedience, but we can know that when we worship, we get to participate in God's wider story and he will always use our worship in ways we never dreamed possible to the glory of his name. And finally, when we worship, we waste our lives in the best possible way. You know, a lot of people at some point or another question their purpose in life or consider how they can live life better, how they can make their one life count and not waste it. And people come up with all sorts of answers for what that looks like, but the message here is clear. A life poured out in devotion to Jesus is never truly wasted. 
When we make choices and decisions with a heart to seek first the kingdom, we can know we are living rightly. The reality is, some of those choices and decisions will look like foolishness to the world and, if we're honest, sometimes still to each other. What do you mean you're not going to take that job or you're going to take a pay cut? What do you mean you're choosing to forgive that person after what they did to you? Why do you give so much of your time and money to church when you could use it on other things? Worship can look like waste to the world, but we know that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And as we learn to put God first, we experience what Mary experienced. He always honours those who honour him. Mary is not financially compensated, but Jesus says, Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And it is. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come, eternal life. So dear friends, I pray we would all know afresh the privilege of being able to minister to the heart of God and to participate in his wider story and the wonder that comes from wasting your life on Jesus.